but the reward for me is truly the people that email me that say I've helped them and I've changed their lives. That to me is the ultimate paycheck that I'll deposit every single day. Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is going to be episode 300. And I know what you're thinking. That's not Scott Volker. And you'd be right. This is Chris Schaefer. There's a very special reason for that. And it's because we wanted to have Scott on today as a guest on his own show. So, Scott, welcome to the Amazing Seller Podcast. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm doing good. And this is kind of strange, but uh, it's going to be kind of fun, too. So, uh yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, sitting here with a cup of coffee as usual, and uh, Brody is snoring like usual as well. Oh well, that's good. Is it <laughs> is it weird to be on the other end of the mic? It really is. Uh, you know, when we decided to do this, we wanted to do something fun, and uh, you know, a lot of people have asked uh, certain questions that uh, I think uh, we're going to go over here. But uh, yeah, it is a little different. It's a little weird. I've been on other people's podcasts, and it's been really fun, but never on my own as my own guest. Kind of weird. It's I, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, you've done some episodes where you've talked a little bit about your background, a little bit about what you got, what what you got started. Yeah. About <laughs> what got you started. But I don't think you've ever had anybody kind of dive into that. So let's uh, let's just start from the beginning like you would with anybody else. You know, can you give us a little bit of your background, like what you did before Amazon? Yeah, well, you know, here's the deal, right? And whenever I tell this story, I always kind of go back to kind of like where I started, like all the way back. And I think that's important because a lot of people that are listening or, uh, you know, maybe in, in their own lives, they don't know, you know, like if it's possible for them because they didn't have like, a college degree, or they didn't finish college, or maybe they never started college, or maybe they did and they're not doing what they wanted to do. Um, I just like to use myself as an example because, uh, you know, going back to when I graduated high school, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in a family that my father was, you know, grew up as a farmer. And from there, you know, it was always just about as soon as you graduate, you go to work. And that's what you did. So there wasn't like this college thing being, you know, kind of pushed in my head. A lot of my friends were going to college, but I didn't. So I just went ahead and started working as anyone else would have, you know, just found a job. Actually, my, my first real paying job was uh, kind of uh, doing cable. I was the cable guy, actually the cable guy. <laughs> and no, I was <laughs> that not That explains Jim so much. <laughs> So I was doing cable for uh, for probably about a year, maybe a year, a little over a year. And I liked that job, actually. The pay wasn't good at all. But um, I think back then I was making about $6.50 an hour, Chris. Yeah, it's quite a bit for climbing telephone poles and doing all that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah. you did. You did the full on cable. Oh, guy. yeah. You yeah. I just the in-home guy. You no. were the, the stringer, too. I was the stringer. I was the disconnector. I was the installer. I was everything. And uh, but anyway, so, yeah, that was a funny story. I learned a lot through that. I liked that uh, because uh, I was able to kind of bounce around at my own pace. But I was always out there kind of, you know, doing a great job because that's what Scott did. And then I soon found out, too, that, you know, I didn't really get compensated for all my hard work. Uh, there would be another guy that was just kind of lazily kind of going through the day. He wouldn't keep his truck nice and neat and all of his tools and took care of them. And I did. And I think I got like a 15 cent raise and he got like a 10 cent raise. So I got five cents more an hour. That was pretty good. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So what did you pull out of that experience? Because you're clearly not a cable guy now, but it's 
it's good to know that you always kind of pull stuff from these different experiences. So what was what was the the big thing that you pulled away from being a cable guy? Yeah, well, the big thing I, I think I got from that experience was that working in a company, uh, it didn't really matter 100%. I can't say this for all businesses, but I pulled that, you know, when you're working for someone, you can do a really, really good job. And your boss, like my boss, like the head guy, thought I was doing a really great job but his hands were tied on what he could do for me. It's almost like everybody got like the same kind of raise. So it made me realize like, you know what? I have no control over like how much money I make. There's like no control there at all. And uh, you got to remember, I was only like 19 years old and I'm, I'm right. realizing this at this age. I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to make an extra dollar an hour. I, I mean, at that rate, it's going to take me what? 10 years to make an extra dollar an hour. Right. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, how could you even support a family on this? And then I would go to their meetings and I would hear, you know, their meetings and people would be talking about their health insurance and that, that they're, you know, they have a family and they still had to pay a ton for health insurance. So I started realizing like really soon that I did not want to be like a corporate guy, even though I was kind of in the blue collar space where I wasn't like a suit and tie guy. Uh, but I pulled that out of there. Uh, and that's kind of where, you know, my father and I started talking about entering into, into our family business because my father did not want, my father had a business in construction for probably over 12 years when I entered it. And, um, I thought it'd be cool just to go work for him. Cause then I could work for my dad and it would be kind of cool. And, uh, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to teach me the lessons of you got to go work for someone else before you work for me. Like, I need you to see what it's like to work for someone else because I'm not just going to have you come in here and everyone's going to say, oh, you're just working for your dad and, you know, you're going to get special treatment. That's not going to happen. So that's another lesson I learned very early on. So you were you were stringing cable lines. You were uh, you were disconnecting people's service. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, fun, by the way. <clears throat> I was yeah, threatened I, a few times. Not even kidding. That does not surprise me. You know, you, you know a little bit about my background. I worked in uh, cell phones for a while, which is you know, kind of treated as a utility now as well. And yep. people do some really irrational things when they don't pay their bills. Very. Uh, and you go, you know, I, I'd love to not disconnect your service, but you haven't paid your bill in six months. Yeah. So, you know, I, <laughs> I don't really feel bad. I'll never, I'll never forget the time. Real quick story. Uh, I, you know, I'd always get my paperwork in the morning and I'd see how many jobs I'd have. I'd have like 12 or 15 stops. And uh, a couple of them were, were in this certain area I knew that weren't that great. And, uh, you know, I had a, a, a non-pay for like 350 bucks or something like that. And, you know, I still remember it. It was a green tag I used to have to always put on there and, and go on up the pole. And I always dreaded them, but I'd have to go and knock on the door and give them an opportunity to pay. But a lot of times I didn't want to even have them answer the door because I was afraid that they were going to get upset with me there. And I just didn't want to go through that. So I would kind of rub knock. That means that you just kind of go up and you just rub the door a little bit with your fit with your your fist, and then that's a qual that that qualifies as a knock. And then I would tiptoe <laughs> up the pole and then just disconnect disconnect them and get out of there. And uh, I had a guy that came out as I was climbing the pole, and uh, and he said, "If you come down, I'm telling you, and you disconnect that cable, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be walking back to that truck." And so I said, "Nope, no problem, sir. You got cable. I'm gonna walk down and I'm gonna leave." So I left and uh, I didn't disconnect their cable. So uh, and you know I had to go back and tell them why I didn't I didn't disconnect it. But they they were okay with it because they always said if your life was in danger, don't do it. But again, I did that for six dollars and like fifty what no six dollars and sixty cents because I got that raise. Wow. 
<laughs> so, so you were doing all that. You were dealing with the crazies of the world. Yeah. What did you do after that? Yeah, that was then when I entered into my my father's business. We had a nice conversation, and my father said, "Listen, you know, we we need help. Uh, I need someone dependable. I want to be able to train someone from scratch, not someone that uh, maybe has already been trained." Um, a lot of thing. A lot of times, and, and I can talk more about this, but you know, as you get into the construction field, you start to learn there's a there's a whole nother animal of people out there. There's a whole nother a whole nother arena. And, um, you know, good people, hard workers, but some of them are lazy. Some, I mean, just like in any business, but, um, you know, so they were going, they were having a lot of turnover and they wanted to scale their business, but it was hard because they couldn't find good help. So they're like, well, we got Scott here and we can go ahead and, and train him from scratch. He doesn't know really anything about the business. So, uh, he took me under his wing in a sense, and it was just him and his partner at the time and his, and his partner's wife was doing the books and stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah. So I, I entered in there totally green, knew nothing about it. I probably was about 20 at that time, maybe 19 and a half. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, I started learning the trade and, uh, you know, was kind of, I guess a little worried because I knew nothing about this, right? And you're talking about like for anyone out there that's a con- that's in, in construction, you know that when you're first starting, you're like, you know, how do you how do you do all of these different aspects? And it, it can get a little overwhelming in itself. But I just figured I would just learn and I, I would do what I could do. And again, going back to the pay, I think I always started my father's job. I think I started there at like seven bucks an hour. So I made I made more money. I was really rolling it in at that point. Uh, so, so yeah, so I just started, uh, you know, a $7 an hour guy, kind of like a laborer in a sense, but I was learning on the job. So to me, it was like being like, um, you know, you know, kind of like an internship in a sense, but getting paid for it. And, uh, and then I also knew, and he had also said in his partner, you know, like one day when we scale this thing, this could possibly be yours. So I was also in the back of my mind knowing that I was building something and helping to build something that I could possibly earn, um, you know, the uh, the ability to own it at one or, a, you know, a stake in it, at least. You know, you said something that's really kind of interesting to me, given an email that you got the other day. You said, you know, I was scared going into this, not knowing anything. Yeah. And, you know, I know a little bit about your story. You kind of went from that to starting your own business, right? Yeah. Uh, another business that you knew nothing about. Nothing. Yeah. And then you kind of came into this Amazon thing, which was another business that you knew nothing about. Exactly. So, so hearing hearing you say that you were scared to do that is kind of interesting to me. What do you, what do you do? Like, what's your trick for getting over that fear, or do you get over that fear, or do you just embrace it? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say, and it's funny. You're right. And there was a pretty a pretty uh, good email that was just sent. I sent it over to you, and we'll probably do an episode on just that email because it's pretty deep. Um, and I never thought about, you know, I never thought about like what drives someone, like what gets someone to actually get, uh, over the fear, especially someone like me that is just an everyday guy, right? I'm just a hard worker. I believe I'm a hard worker. Always have been. I mean, I had a job ever since I was like 13, 14 years old doing dishes. You know, I think my first job, very, very first job. I mean, I said my 40 hour job was the cable guy, but I was a dishwasher, $3 and 35 cents an hour. Um, you know, just you know, washing dishes, you know, and making some money, paper boy, all that stuff. I did all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, the fear thing stops a lot of people. And for me, I think I've always had it where if this doesn't work out, I've always got this thing to fall back on. Like I've always had something else I could do. I kind of knew when I went to work for my father, if that didn't work out, I could probably go back and do cable or I could probably go work for the telephone company or I could probably maybe even do my own construction thing if I knew enough at that time. So I think I've always had a little bit of a safety net in my own mind. 
I think I always create that safety net of some way. Like, like I, I said to my wife the other day, I'm like, you know, so many people out there complain of what they could do uh, or they, that they can't do this because of this. And I said, do you know, like people out there that are complaining they don't have enough money, to me, it's just people that are not willing to take what they already know and then just go work for someone or just go figure out a way to make it work. Like I could literally go and demolish a kitchen right now, like gut it and totally put it all back with granite countertops and the whole thing, right? I haven't done it in 15 years, but I could do it. Like I could totally do it. It's like riding a bike. Like I, I understand it. I know it. And I'd be able to hire people probably to do it for me now that I wouldn't have to do all the work because I could be a general contact tractor. But the thing is, is I think I've always built these safety nets in my mind. So when I go to do that, I don't feel as though it's so much of a risk. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss. And, yeah. I, and I think that's something that's unique to the, the quote unquote true entrepreneurs, which is a, a group that I would, I would lump you in with, right? Yeah people who are willing to go out on that limb because as human beings and as people who want to run our own business, we do experience a lot of fear, but the human body is designed to experience that fear. And it, mm. it makes sense. And people who have been on our workshops have heard me talk about this. It makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint, right? Sure. Sure. You're afraid for a reason. There's a lion. You should be afraid. That's However, right. <laughs> it, it kind of doesn't translate into our modern world where we have fear of things that isn't necessarily a logical fear because we always have something to fall back on. And I think people like you who are able to realize that it's a thing. Yes, it's a fear. I need to have a plan to pivot to, but it doesn't necessarily need to be an emphasis, right? Yeah. Well, so if everything you're doing went away today, you know that you could go do something else. You're, you know, you would be willing to go flip burgers if you had to. If I had to. Yeah. My, right? my family know, would you be. You know, bad. you're not going to have to. Right. Exactly. In, you know, everything in the world would have to go wrong for you to, to end up going to flip burgers, but you could always do that if you needed to down the road. And that, that I think having just that, that knowledge in the back of your head to say, okay, I know I'm experiencing fear. It's not quote unquote real, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because there's always something else that I could do if everything blows up in my face. Having that makes sense. And there, I think there's a fine line there between having a backup plan and having the knowledge that you could do something else, right? Having a backup plan, I think, hinders you mm. in, a, in a lot of cases. Sometimes, yeah. But, but having, having the knowledge that there is something else you could do kind of helps soothe that fear. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes sense. And I, I'd like to, again, you know, moving forward in the story and we can talk about the whole photography thing and how that came about. But I had that same thing when I went and said, you know what, we're going to go all in on the photography thing. Again, I tested and validated, though. And again, we can talk about that because once I decided that I was going to go all in, I still had the backup safety plan as I could still go out and do side work in construction if I have to. Like, it's right. not going to be hard for me to find a job or to go out and just get my name out there to start. I mean, heck, I've got a guy that I hired here to put railings on my deck. I, I know how to do railings. I My time is is worth more now to be doing stuff here in my office than it is to be out there doing that. I could have saved probably $1,500, maybe $2,000, but I decided to give it to him. But I found him on a, a little local forum for our community, and he, he's got more business than he can than he can handle. Right, right. So it's like I know that the the work is out there. You just have to go and get it. Um, but yeah, you're you're 100 right. It's like if you have if you have any type of fear, you know, 
again, there's something there, 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 there's a reason it's there, but you also have to recognize, but you also have to come up with a safety plan or a safety net in your own mind. Not even that you're going to have to use it, but, but so this way here, you have a clear idea of what you can do. And I think the other thing is I've always been really good with my, my budgeting and my books. Okay. So that means I know like right now how much money I need to generate in order to keep everything afloat. Like if I know that, then I know my target. If I know my target, I know what I have to do. So then I could say, well, I just need to basically do three decks this month and I all my bills will be paid. No problem. Right. So I, again, I, I think like that. I, I, I need to know where I'm at at all times. That's again, just part of me. Um, not sure why, but, um, that is part of me. So no, I think, I think that's a great mindset to have. And, and you and I have talked about this and, you know, what, was the photography thing, because the, the next step in your story here, and you just kind of alluded to it for those people who don't know as much about your story as I do, but yeah. you, you went from the construction thing and you said, you know, I don't really want to be doing this all the time. I don't want to be away from my family. You know, I'm working seven to seven, seven to eight every day plus, yep. right? Plus whatever else you're doing. Uh, and and your wife said, maybe let's let's try this photography thing. I think this is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, uh, how, what happened there? Yeah. That's an interesting story. And it's again, another shift in my, in, in my journey. And uh, it's just crazy now that you look back and you start to kind of lay the, 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 the journey path out because it does kind of all kind of blend, um, together and kind of fit together as you start to pivot. But yeah, I, I'll never forget. I mean, I was working for my father for over probably 10 years, I think it was. And, um, you know, I soon found that, you know, we started bringing on a lot of help. Um, I was running, uh, these construction crews at this time. We were, we were doing over 2 million a year in revenue for, for and for a small brick and mortar business, pretty good. Um, but we were building that and our, our plan was to build it to a 5 million. Um, and the thing is we started bringing on other family members of my father's partner, and my father and his partner never got along from day one. They never got along. It was a bad marriage at the start. Um, you know, his partner would want to take the cash jobs and and split them up amongst the two and not pay for material. And then my father would say, that's not right. We got to pay for material. We got stuff to pay. So there's all this stuff going on. And we'd have meetings and it was just a mess, but it was what was paying the bills for everyone, Right. So, um, so I learned a ton through that. I learned a ton of like how to deal with employees, like how to deal with people. Like I was always the one, if I was the job foreman, um, I was the guy still that was in the trenches with you. I was still slinging the hammer. I was still with you. You know, I was never above you. And I, and I've, I've stayed that way. Cause I think it's important, um, to be with the people that are helping you build your thing. Um, but um, I was working my butt off, Chris. I mean, I was working, like I said, I mean, I would get up sometimes 5.30 and then I'd be out the door by 6.15 and then I'd get to the job or get to our office, our, our home base where all the guys would come and uh, we'd, I'd divvy up all the jobs and then, you know, get everybody loaded and then out the door and that would be the start of my day. And then I'd start putting out fires all day. Basically, I just start running up to job site, to job site, to job site, maybe doing some estimates in between. And I'd be out until seven, eight o'clock at night. Now, in the beginning, it wasn't that bad because, you know, I didn't have any kids yet. Got married, you know, had my first kid when I was 21 and uh, and then started to see that I wasn't home to see all of these 
amazing things to having a, a kid and a kid changed, you know, having a kid changed my life. Um, just the way that I thought of things and the value of life and all of that. And, um, so I just sat down with my wife, uh, you know, and I just said, you know, I'll never forget. I was in the dining room and I uh, had my hands kind of on my head, kind of like how you would be if you had a hard day and you're just kind of like put run, running your fingers through your head, scratching it. You're like, what are we going to do? Like, I, I don't know if I can keep this up. Now, remember, and anyone that hasn't heard my story, my wife had a really good job. My, my wife is five years older than me. So she was already in the workplace for a little while. She had a really good job with a electric company here, uh, one of the major ones. And um, she was doing at that time, going back now 20 years, uh, 22 years, actually, um, she was doing $40,000 a year back then. And, uh, so we basically wanted her to stay home with, uh, with our, our kids. And so we basically took a small little severance and she basically got out of that job. So now all of a sudden I'm the breadwinner. And so now instead of working 60 hours just for my father, I was working another 15 hours, 20 hours, putting on decks and doing other little remodel jobs on the side to make up for that money that we had lost. So, um, so again, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm stressed, I'm just like, what are we going to do here? I want to be home more, it's just impossible, I can't keep up at this pace. And then, you know, she was always dabbling with, with you know, taking pictures of our kids and stuff, but or our kid at the time, and other people's kids, with just a point-and-shoot camera. And everyone would say she's the, she did a really good job, she had a great eye for photography. And then we took our kid to our, you know, my, my, my first uh, child here, Alexis, who's now 21, we took her to this really nice photography studio in the area. Everyone loved it. It was expensive though. It was like five to $800 um, for these, you know, nice pictures to be created. And we were waiting there and waiting there. And the, the, the experience was not that good. And they did, they rushed us through the, the sitting and, and then we still spent 800 bucks. And my wife's like, you know, I could do a better job than that. Like I totally could. So I'm like, well, you know, if you want to do it on the side, go ahead. So we went out and we bought her like $1,500 worth of camera equipment back then, which was all, was all, um, a 35 millimeter film back then. And, uh, no digital, no, no editing really much. And, uh, books, we read books and uh, I helped her with basically just figuring out the camera and cause she had no background. I had no background, but we read books and, um, and then we kind of figured it out. And then long story short, fast forward, we built that into a pretty good little uh, side business. And uh, we were entering the fourth quarter, which was a really big for photography stuff. And we had to make a decision. We said, we're either not going to be able to take a lot of people or you have to leave your job. That's me. And I'm like, that's scary, right? But we knew we wanted that. And, uh, so long story short, I put my two weeks notice in on, I think it was October 15th. And, uh, my, my, uh, last day was like November 1st. I'll never forget that. And I think we had about $10,000 savings. That was it. And, um, we said that we're going to, we're going to go for it. And, uh, we did, and we never looked back. And, uh, I always had that in the back of my mind though, when I left that, uh, if I needed to, I could just go ahead and start doing some side work, but never had to, I never once had to do a side job. So you had you had a little bit of a built-in safety net there, which is is always nice to have. I gotta ask, yeah. how did Wally take uh, you putting in your two weeks' notice? It's a funny story because uh, Wally, anyone anyone that's listening doesn't know Wally. Wally's my dad. Um, he's been on the podcast, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, and you should probably listen to that episode. Truckcast. Well, yeah, there, there was a truckcast. Uh, that was a good one. Um, I also had him on, I believe, just uh, to kind of walk through everything that I've kind of learned through that man. A very smart guy, hard worker. Um, just really, really just a great value set that he gave me. But, um, 
you know, I had conversations before that he knew we were doing the photography. He was happy for me to do it. And he actually felt a little bit of a burden lifted because he was really sticking around in the business for me because Mm -hmm. now I, I was, you know, providing for a family and he felt a little bit of a burden that I got to keep this thing going for him. If it wasn't for me, he might have handed in the keys to the office to my to his partner and said, adios. So I had a conversation with him. I said, Dad, this is what I'm thinking. He says, Scott, I want you to go for it. He says, we'll be fine here. You know, he says, we'll, we'll be fine. So funny story. I gave him my two weeks and it wasn't but, let's see, that was in November. In December, I think it was just after Christmas. I think it was just before the first of the year. My father went in and he gave his partner all his shares and he said, I'm out of here. Sold his house, went to Florida. <laughs> Not even kidding. True story. So the minute I left, it gave him the pressure release and it also gave him the out. He sold his house in, in Saratoga Springs. Uh, he, he had a nice little lake house. He sold it with everything in it. And he already had a place in Florida that he had as like a little summer home. And, um, and he sold that house in like, I think it was like a month and um, everything in it. And just he, he left and that was it. And he was done. And uh, that was it. Never looked back. So, yeah, it was an interesting story. Uh, it was I never expected that to happen. Uh, and when it did, I was just like, wow, I guess I kind of helped him out, too. So um, in, in a sense, because he had a lot of stress and a lot of pressure with that business. Uh, you know, to, again, having a partner, it's not easy if you don't gel. So <clears throat> you went from the construction thing to the photography thing. And then straight into Amazon, was there anything kind of in between there? What what happened after you guys went full on in the photography business? There was always things going on, Chris. That's part of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're doing the photography thing, and that was doing good, and we were building that thing. And we, I think at our peak, we did a six-figure year, which was good for us locally. Again, we made our own schedules. It was great. It was funny. At the school, we sent our kids to private school. Um, the schools in our area weren't the best, so we went to private school, which cost some money. Uh, so every morning we would drive our kids to school together and people were like, what do you guys do that you guys can do this? And then we would pick them up every single day at like two 30 and people would just get to know us and they'd be like, what do you guys do that you can do this? Like, are you guys doing something illegal or what? And we're like, no, we own our own photography business and we make our own schedule. So we wouldn't take appointments until like, you know, nine o'clock in the morning and we would end at two o'clock in the afternoon. And then we wouldn't take any until the evening. And, uh, it was, uh, it was cool though. My, my wife's mother, my mother-in-law lived literally just up the hill from us. So she could watch the kids if we needed to during a, a photo session and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were always we were always doing uh, things. Uh, the funny story about the the wooden bridges. I think you heard that story. Um, we started hearing. Actually, my my first sale on eBay was actually a piece of software that I had purchased for my Windows machine at the time. I converted to Mac, so I wanted to sell that Windows uh, piece of software. I sold that on eBay, and I I was blown away that I actually could do that. I was like, holy crap! I just put this piece of software up there that was in a box for Windows, and I sold it in like an hour. I'm like, holy crap, this online thing, you can actually make money selling stuff on eBay. So then I started looking around, started doing a little bit of research, and then that's where um, we found those bridges that I talked about. And uh, those bridges, for anyone that hasn't heard that story, uh, my wife and I, my wife likes the, the, there's a store up north called the Christmas Tree Shop. And uh, she was always going in there, just checking things out. And she found these wooden bridges, these little cedar bridges. They were four-foot bridges. You had to put them together. And we seen that they were selling on, on eBay for like 140 150 bucks. They were selling for 25 bucks at Christmas Tree Shop. 
Long story short, we filled up our van, our minivan at the time with about $3,000 worth of wooden bridges. And uh, we sold all of them on eBay. And that was my first taste of like online, like retail arb, I guess. And I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. Um, so uh, it was it was fun. It was exciting. And that's what kind of whetted my whistle, um, you know, as far as the the whole selling something on online. But yeah, I did that. Um, I also did some house flipping, uh, bought a house uh, with with uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, you, you, you know, Jimmy, uh, Jim Krill, um, him and I were also partners um, uh, in that. And uh, we did a we did a couple houses. Found out soon that I didn't want to do more of that because it was a lot of uh, a lot of work because we were doing a lot of the work ourselves because we were construction workers, right? And then uh, it was a lot of stress because we had to then sell the house in a certain amount of time in order to come out of it ahead. If not, we were going to start paying taxes and all that stuff. So I did that. I did I did a lot of stuff, Chris. A lot of different things that I've dabbled in in my journey uh, up to this point. So you you kind of bolted on some of those other things. Um, and then what, what led you to Amazon? What's, what's the story behind that? Yeah. I actually don't know the story behind that other than kind of the the surface level thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Here's the deal. Before I do that though, let me also, I, I, I have to bring this one up. I haven't really talked about this one too much. Um, there's two little stories here. First off, uh, going back to eBay again, okay, now that I was selling a physical product on eBay, I wanted to get more bridges, right? But then soon competition came in, other people were doing the same thing, so eventually they started driving the price down, so I started understanding that, but I started wanting to look for other other ways that I could control the inventory. So right away, I had this idea that I wanted to find something that I could sell, but not have to go out and really compete too much with people because it was mine and I created it. So there's two products that I created to sell on eBay and one of them was for GarageBand. It was a set of loops. Um, anyone that's that's familiar with like uh, you know GarageBand or any type of auto or auto audio um, uh, like you know guitar tracking or you know music tracking or any of that stuff, GarageBand is one of those. And they have loops so that you can kind of piece together and make your own your own beats and stuff like that. So anyway, so I seen that there was an opportunity there because I was looking for for more more of these loops. And uh, all it is is a digital loop. So I created a lot of them myself. I created like a thousand of them, and then I put them on a on a CD and I sold them on eBay. Um, and I started selling them for twenty four ninety five. And actually, going back a little bit, I was selling them before I had to put them on CD. I was selling them digitally because uh, at that time eBay would let you sell eBooks and digital products and then deliver them. Then people started ruining that, like they they always do, marketers and stuff, right? And they started to make these penny eBooks and stuff like that. So they started to to really uh, crack down on that. So then all of a sudden they made this big change, and everyone said again, just like on Amazon, the world's changing, the sky's falling. What are we gonna do? So what did Scott do? He put his loops on a CD and he sent them in now because now you could do that. It was a physical product. Um, so again, that was a, a pivot of mine. But did that. Sold well. Sold. A, I, I would sell probably one or two of them a day. Um, so it was pretty cool. And then, um, and then the other quick story on eBay is um, when I was in the photography business, I also got a lot of requests for people to transfer their old eight millimeter films. I'm not talking eight millimeters, you know, tapes, you know, like videotapes. I'm talking eight millimeter reel to reel, like old school, like you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, and early 70s um, reel to reel films. I had some myself too. So I. Did a little research, found a device that could do this, and uh, I started adding that to my business as a photographer. So we started doing film transfers. I actually had a car. You don't even know this, Chris. I had to get a picture of this. I had a, a, a Scion when it first came out. You know those little toasters? Oh, Lord. Yeah, I had one of those, right? And my thought process was I'm going to buy this car. It's going to be good on gas. I'm going to have it lettered up, and it's going to basically be a video transfer machine. 
It's going to, it's going to be an advertising billboard. And I, I lettered it up. I, I'm going to dig out that picture. I'm going to post it. I'll try to post it in the show notes of this. So I did that. And uh, I had it lettered. I think I spent a thousand bucks on the lettering. I paid three hundred bucks a month for for the uh, for the car. And uh, yeah, I drove that around to drive business for that, and it worked. I'd get stopped in the parking lot going in to get groceries, and people were, you know, my kids, of course, they were embarrassed. But hey, I was, you know, I was bringing in business, and uh, it worked. But anyway, so did the whole fill transfer thing. But then again, the old entrepreneur mind, I'm like, I just bought this device. This device that I bought, all this guy did is he modified this projector. And I kind of reverse engineered. I'm like, what did he do? He just took an old projector. He added a mirror. He did this. He took out this. So I went ahead and started doing this, Chris. And I started selling these things for 900 bucks a piece on eBay. And long story short, I did that for about a year and a half. And uh, I think I made over forty-five dollars or $50,000 in, in wow. those projectors. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would build like one or two projectors a week. Again, doing the photography, still doing my film transfers. And then I would build one or two of these and sell them on, on, uh, on eBay as another source of revenue. So, okay. That didn't answer your question. You want to know about Amazon, right? I want to know. I want to know how you <laughs> got there, but that's a really, I have never heard that story. And you and I have, have talked about your journey even more than you've talked about it on the podcast. There's a so lot of ins and outs, man. That's kind of cool, but it sounds, it sounds like one of your superpowers, in addition to to taking action, right, yeah. is is finding opportunities and and seeing when things have potential. So, yeah. is that what led you to Amazon? Was saying, hey, you know, selling this stuff on eBay? Yeah, it did. Or was it? Did you did you read an article? What happened there? Yeah, it, it totally did. Well, here was the thing. I I realized also, and to kind of finish up the eBay store uh, story, um, I also my wife and I created. Photoshop templates for, um, for our clients. So they would come in, they want a custom card created for a wedding or an engagement, or, uh, you know, they would want one for Christmas and stuff. So we'd make these templates. I would make them in Photoshop. I got pretty good at Photoshop. Again, Chris, never going to school for graphic design or anything like that. I bought a big old thick book for Photoshop. It was Photoshop six at the time. And, uh, and I learned it. And, uh, but anyway, so made these templates. Uh, and then I started to say, well, wait a minute, I'm selling these loops. Can I sell these things on eBay too? So I started selling my my templates on there um, as as well. So did that, and then um, I started to say, well, wait a minute, eBay is just one platform. You know, what about Amazon? And uh, we dabbled a little bit on selling the templates on there, um, but that didn't really work that good. It wasn't. I don't think Amazon was ready. Um, so I kind of just stopped. I'm just like, now nah, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try this. Um, so. Uh, but I did know that Amazon was was starting to really get a lot of attention. I started hearing about FBA, um, you know, fulfilled by Amazon. I started saying, well, you know, this retail ARP thing was kind of interesting. So I went into a store. I tried it for about 25 minutes and I gave up because I'm like, you know what? I've got too many other things going on. I don't have the time for this. If I had someone else that could do that part for me, I could do the listing. But I just don't have time. I'm just going to stop for right now and I'll just pause this, this idea. Um, and then I just went ahead and, um, started looking at this private label thing. And then that's where it got me interested. Cause I'm like, this is really close to a, a digital product. You, you like find something that's selling, you find the source and then you just keep replenishing. And that's the closest to a digital product that I've found. And that's what got me interested. And that's where I said to my wife, I said, I think that we should give this a try as another revenue stream, never intending on making it my primary still isn't my primary, but, uh, Definitely opened my eyes after I validated, you know, after 90 days, you know, of launching, being able to to put, you know, $40,000 in revenue through the door was pretty, 
was pretty uh, eye opening. Um, so that's really what got me excited, uh, you know, about about Amazon. Um, again, going back though, Chris, and I don't want to skip over this either because we kind of went from the photography thing as a as a brick and mortar, and then kind of doing all those other little things. But then also we we transitioned that. Uh, you know, photography studio into a photography community where I was now um, teaching people how we started a husband and wife team without going to college or out going to any schooling to learn this. And we built a photography business, a successful one with uh, what's just good old fashioned work and uh, and some some marketing and some email, you know, list building stuff that we did even back then, just not as a, not as advanced as we do now. Um, but I built that into a six figure business as well. I still have that business today that I still run and we turn that into a, like a digital creation club type thing. So I didn't want to skip over that cause that's, that was that business right there, um, paid the bills for, uh, for quite a while, um, and still brings in revenue today. So, uh, I didn't want to skip over that. That's a, that there was another six figure business. No, I think, I think that's a really cool transition that you made. And then you started the Amazon thing as kind of a side hustle. Yeah. Uh, yep. As a way to pay an extra bill, kind of, right? Hey, if we can take care of the mortgage with this, that's yep. bonus, right? Yep. And anything we get beyond that is is like bonus time. It's garbage time. It's extra money, right? Um, and so you, it's funny. You and I get this question all the time. Uh, you know, can I do this with a nine to five job? And uh, it yeah. sounds like you were running three <laughs> businesses when you started the, you know, you because at this point, had you transitioned completely out of the physical photography and you were only doing digital? Yeah, at this time we were. Uh, my wife had a, a very select uh, group of clients that she wanted to <laughs> to to do. Uh, you know, it, it started the photography thing started out as she was like, "Oh, this is great! I'd be able to do what I love every day of the week." And then it soon turned into a job um, because then you know you gotta you gotta take clients sometimes that you don't necessarily care for, but they're bringing in you know the money. Um, so then it got to the point where I, I said to her, "I'm like, just do do the ones that you want to do, and then everyone else just." basically tell that you're, you're no longer doing it. And that's kind of what she did. Um, so this way here, she could at least get that creative outlet, you know, still there for her to, to, uh, to still enjoy what she loves doing. Um, cause that is her, her passion is really capturing those, those moments and, and all that stuff. So, um, so yes, we, we did transition on that. And again, that was another like, Oh, what do we do? We're sitting down at the table. Like we've got this photography business, and a real, that decision came, actually, let me go back a little bit here because this is kind of starting to surface now. Uh, you know, that really happened when we found out that my nine-year-old, actually, who's turning nine today, um, is, um, that's when we found out she was born, or that she was, uh, that she was born, that, she, that we were pregnant for her. So when we found out, we were like, we got to figure out how we can do this because with a newborn, it's going to be tough to do, you know, to do these sessions um, as much as we're doing them right now. So how can we do it and bridge that gap? So maybe I could start selling some stuff online and that's where the eBay digital products started happening. And then I started to learn about this whole, you know, building an email list, providing value, and then, you know, you know, starting to, to build out that product suite for the photography community. So that's really how that transitioned from we were doing well in the brick and mortar. And we could have scaled that even bigger, but it was it was taking a lot more of our time. So how can we manage, you know, that and then also add a digital element to it? Um, so that's kind of where that came from. I don't know. Did that answer so, your question? Yeah. So was was that another point? And you you talked about your decision process when you moved from you know the the construction business to the photography thing. 
Was that another point where in the back of your mind you said, well, if we have to start shooting totally. photos again, we can? Totally. I could do it today. Like, we, we could do it right. today so in a the, brand new place. Nothing has really changed except for the technology a little bit, but the buttons on the camera are still the same. Yeah, and, right? you know, and, and the marketing is actually, to me, easier today for me. Like, I, had, I think I had it harder back then because it was a lot of word of mouth, which that's how we grew our business. And I still think that's powerful. It's the most powerful that you'll ever get. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we totally have that skill set that, you know, if I wanted to do that, or maybe I just wanted to do photo restoration, I could do that. I've done that, you know. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do. It's funny, I was driving in our neighborhood just the other day, and there's a lady here locally that does exactly what we did, and I seen her out there with some, with her fam, with a family that she was taking pictures of in the fall and all this stuff, and it just brought back memories. I'm like, that was us on a Sunday afternoon, like, doing that. Like, that was me. Um, and uh, Did she take your course? <laughs> Probably not, but, <laughs> but she was doing a pretty good job. She had some pretty good, uh, pretty good shots, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny just how things just, just happen. It, it really is. Well, and it, you say, you say things just happen, but they don't, everything that you've done has been intentional. And I think, I think that's something that, that a lot of people, and it's, it's sp especially people who are on the fence who are saying, I don't know if I can do this with a full-time job, or I don't know if, I want to make this my full-time endeavor, mm -hmm. right? They're kind yeah. of choosing between the nine and five, yep. nine to five and making the Amazon thing their, their full-time gig. And the answer is, and, and you've said it a couple times here, it doesn't have to be right. 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 You can, you can do consulting in almost any job, right? And for you as a, as a construction guy, that consulting quote unquote is building decks on the side, yep. right? If you're in marketing, you can do marketing consulting to bring in a little bit of extra revenue. If you, if you, you know, if, the Amazon business disappeared tomorrow and you couldn't find a job right away. You can always do those kinds of things. And there's always people in your local community that need your skill set. Everyone has a skill set, yep. right? So whatever you're doing now, that doesn't have to disappear. Right. You can continue to do that. You just maybe don't make it your full time job. Yep. And then, it, you know, then you can start to see how this stuff plays out. But that that kind of fear place is what stops a lot of people from from growing, not just, you know, their their Amazon sales or their online businesses. But making that leap to being an entrepreneur at all. And I know, you know, my parents expressed that same thing when I first became an entrepreneur. Right. Which is like, well, you're not going to have a steady paycheck. Well, I, you know, I do have a steady paycheck and I can always go work for somebody else if I have to. Right. And yeah. it's the you have you have the same kind of mindset. And that's something that I that I see over and over with entrepreneurs and people who do this successfully. So they say, I know I can always go back if I have to. But the plan is to not. Right. Yeah. And so I. It, it, it's funny though, and I want to I want to just kind of let people know this too. Um, another little story is that you know my father when he left again he left a business right. He had a little bit of money, but he wasn't retirement age yet when he left. Okay, so he had a fear that you know, but he knew that he wanted to do that right. He wanted to get away. He wanted to kind of you know start clean with his own you know with his own you know. I guess journey or, you know, I guess pivot for him, but here's what he did. Cause he had a skill set. Now he was a guy that used to do the construction. Then he, he turned into, you know, the sales guy, right. That all he was doing was going out in sales and he didn't have to wear the, the, the work clothes anymore. He could wear, you know, his, his tie if he wanted to, but he went back where he was living. He lived, he still lives there in a little community and it's a 55 plus community. Well, guess what he did? He was now the handyman in the park. 
And now he had more business than he could do. He was hanging curtains. He was hanging ceiling fans. He was doing all this stuff. And he was making more, actually more then because he had less stress and he also had, you know, less overhead and all that stuff. But he was doing better there. Um, but he had something to fall back on. Now, if he had too much pride, he would say, I'm not going back and doing physical labor anymore. I'm going to just go ahead and be an office guy. He didn't think like that because that's not how I was raised. That's not how he was raised. You go out and you, you make do with what you got and you work hard and, you know, and he was happy doing it. He's worked his own hours. You know, he'd swing down the, the road and put up a ceiling fan for someone to make 150 bucks. Like, fine, you know? So again, just going back to that's, I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, going, going back to my father and my parents for the way that they raised me. It's like, you know, there's really, there's no excuses. Just there, there's a way you just have to go out there and find it. It's the it's the the all American American dream bootstrap mentality. Yeah. Right. You're going to you're going to make it happen. And there's there's not a reason not to. And that that I think is something important. It's something we've kind of glazed over. It is a mindset more than anything else. Right. It's I understand that there's fear there, but I can bust through it because I know that it will all work out. If I have to go flip burgers, like I said earlier, I can go flip burgers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So you, you went from the construction to the physical photography to digital photography, and then you were kind of side hustling and selling stuff on Amazon. I got to ask what led us to 300 episodes of a podcast? Where in the heck did that come from? Yeah. And there, there you go. Right. Like, like how does that happen? You know what? And if we were to talk, if we were talking three years ago, this wouldn't even be part of my story. Right. So this wasn't planned five years ago or three years ago. It was just, it just kind of happened, right? So, okay, going back to like myself, I've done the whole online, uh, you know, selling my own digital products and building my own email list in the photography space. And, and I've dabbled in other, other ways to bring in revenue online, affiliate marketing, you name it, I've done it, right? So I, I know that I've got that skill set. But I also knew that I, because a lot of people, even when I was doing the photography, you know, teaching and all of that, people would always say, Scott, you've just got a really good way of, of helping people, like sharing that. And, and I never thought of myself like that because, I, I, again, I'm not a college grad, right? I don't, I don't think of myself as being a smart guy. When a lot of people say, no, Scott, you really are a smart guy. And I'm just like, yeah, but book smart, I'm not. So I don't think I'm smart. And that's just the way that I, I, I think, right? Yes, I can figure things out. You know, I can totally figure things out. But... Um, you know, I, I, I think it comes down to, um, I lost my train of thought there, Chris, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was going down the, I was going down the, 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 path of, oh, the podcast, how the heck did, did this even come about? Well, again, thinking to myself, how can I take, uh, you know, this information and help people that are like me that don't think that they can do it. Right. So how can I do that? And I've always wanted to do that. Like people, again, have said, Scott, you really should help people because you're good at it. You're good at breaking things down and making it simple, not really complex. And I'm like, you speak, you speak English. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's you you break English. things down in a way. And, you know, this is a this is a straight shout out to you. You you break things down in a way that anybody can understand. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is what led you to it, but you and I actually met in a Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the content that was in there at the time about Amazon was not broken down into English. And that's actually how you and I met, I think is, you know, you would go in and write a comment on something and break it down into English (laughs) and I would like it. And then I would, you know, I would attempt to do the same thing and you would correct me and break it down into English, uh, better. 
and then I would like that comment, right? That's kind of how, how we got started. So is that is that what led to the podcast? You said yeah. there's just not enough information? Yeah, well, you know, here, here's, here's the thing. When I was going through it, I was kind of like just kind of weeding myself through. And I also seen that there wasn't a podcast that was, that was really tailored towards this. Right. And I knew that if I could help people, uh, you know, achieve something, then people were going to then in turn, you know, continue to follow and then to continue also to help me reach other people, meaning people that could help me by teaching me more, right? So it's to me, it's always about surrounding yourself with those people that could bring you to that next level. And I teach my son, who's 18, the same thing. If you want to be a better basketball player, you got to hang around with better basketball players, period. Better work ethics, you know, better skill sets, like all of that, right? If you want to be someone that just lounges around the house all day, then hang around with five guys that lounge around the house, you're going to be lounging around the house, right? So to me, it's about hanging around with those people and finding that information was hard for me at that time. Now there, I'm not going to, you know, bash any courses or anything, but there was, you know, a course out there, a no, very well-known one, but there was also a few other smaller ones, but you know, they were over like, you know, three to $5,000 for these courses. And I'm just like, you know, if I can, if I can bring value to people so they can first off, see if this business model is even going to work for them. And then if they want to decide to buy one of those courses, then then go for it. Even if you need to, you might not have to. So my thing was, I'm just going to go out there and just try to give as much as I can and then also connect with as many people as I can. So that was my mindset. I had no idea if I was ever going to or how I was ever going to monetize it, right? But I knew this, Chris, by my, by my past, you know, ventures. I knew that if I was able to help enough people get what they want, eventually I would be compensated for it. I just... I just knew that. And I, who, who was that? Was that Zig Ziglar with that, yep. uh, that one? I believe so. Yeah. You know, if you help enough, enough people get what they want, you'll, you'll get what you want or something like that. I, I'm probably screwing that totally up, but it's totally true. And, uh, I had no idea how or when, um, I did say to myself, I wasn't going to do sponsorships at first on the podcast. I wasn't, even if I had people that were, you know, listening, I wasn't going to do like a sponsored, you know, spot on there. Um, no. And as of right now, we're at 300 episodes. I don't have any sponsors on there that have paid me to be on there. Yes. I have some products that I promote because I use them or I know people that have used them and they've had success with, and I get compensated for those, but I don't have, um, and I've been thrown a lot of money to, to have sponsorships and I've turned, um, those away, but yeah, I never, I never thought that it would turn into this. I thought help a few people, you know, um, you know, that would be awesome because that feels great. And then, uh, you know, meet people like you that I could possibly either, you know, build a further relationship with that we can either partner, or maybe you can teach me some things that I don't know right now and, and all of that. So that really has evolved into something just, I I guess, I I mean, just something I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I still can't even imagine uh, you know, on where it's come and where, you know, where it's come from and kind of like where it's going to go because it's just, it's blown up. So I say fast, but it's, we've been at it a little while now, but it's still fast. And as far as, you know, like to be able to go from zero to 5 million downloads in 18 months is pretty crazy. Well, well, it is crazy. And again, I think, I think part of it is testament to your ability to break things down into English Two, I think it is, you know, it is an area where I still, you know, there's so much to learn and I've been in this a little longer than you have. You've been doing this two years now, two and a half yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Uh, I guess two, two and a quarter years if we want to be technical about it. Yeah. Um, but there's still so much to learn in terms of testing and tweaking just on Amazon that it's, it's amazing to me that 
you know, a lot of this material in 300 episodes isn't isn't repetitive. And then you look at some of the stuff that we've talked about, you know, like in, in the growing and, and we've started affectionately calling it growing beyond Amazon stuff, which really is the stuff that that you and I have been doing for the last 10 years anyway, outside of the Amazon space, the mm. emails, and all those kinds of things. And I think I think you have potential to go, you know, an easy another 300 without repeating yourself a whole bunch, right? which is, which is interesting to me. So where do you see all of this stuff going? I guess is the question. Do you have any idea where this stuff is going in 2017? Well, I mean, as far as going, you mean Amazon itself or Amazon, Amazon and the podcast, I guess would be. Yeah. So let's start with Amazon. Yeah. Well, I think Amazon is still a great platform as we're recording this. And I think it will be. Um, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it may become harder in a sense that, you know, they're going to require you to maybe be a little bit of a bigger brand to get started. I mean, who knows? Right. But right now, it's still, um, to me, a great platform to get started on because it takes all of the all the technical issues really out of the mix. Um, things like a website or a shopping cart or uh, having your own traffic or uh, you know setting up a merchant account or having a fulfillment center or any of that stuff. Like I think it's still a great place to start, and I think it will continue to be. But which, which, by the way, all of those things you just listed are the exact reason that I stumbled on Amazon in the first place. Yeah, because we were building all of that stuff for a client. Yep. Right. So it's it's interesting to me that that's how that's the power of Amazon. And, you know, I kind of stumbled on it by accident. But now knowing that everybody that listens to this podcast knows all they have to do is find the product. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Amazon takes care of the rest. And that's that's really what makes it so powerful. And that's not going away. Yes, the process is going to change a little bit and it has in 2016. But I just I wanted to throw that out. Yeah, I mean, you know, things are going to change. I mean, you can just tell by the story I just told with all of the different things that have changed. I mean, even the eBay thing where it went from digital to non-digital and now you got to make a you got to you got to tweak that process or you have to figure out another way. Um, it, it's always going to be happening. Um, it's it's kind of like the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur, right? It's like you're going to have ups and downs and that's that's just part of it. But you you just got to keep riding that roller coaster and figuring it out along the way and, uh, and, and you'll be fine. But I think think it's a great place for people to start even if it's just even if you just want to get started to add another thousand dollars a month to your your bottom line you know maybe it's to pay your mortgage and you know Chris I know you and I you know talked about you know we want to have a mission statement uh, for 2017 and uh, you know we haven't publicly come out with that but uh, this might be a good time to do that Uh, but really I mean you know you and I have, have both talked about helping you know 500 people to create a thousand dollar revenue stream, you know, every single month would be awesome. Like that would be a great feeling. Now, you know, there's a lot of people that I've already helped through the podcast, um, and probably doing combined, you know, millions of dollars like right now. Like I know there's people that were just at our event that are, you know, one guy's doing 250,000 a month, one guy's doing a hundred thousand a month, one guy's doing 75, I think going to do 85 this month. Like there's just those people, just a handful that I can think of. So, um, to, but to be able to get people started to me and, and a lot of people, to be honest with you, Chris, a lot of people in this space, you know, influencers, uh, you know, people that are leaders don't really want to, they don't want to deal with the newbies. And I hate to say it, but they they don't because, you know, there's a lot of repetitive questions. You know, I get people that say, don't you get tired of answering those questions? And I'm like, no, because I was there once, right? Like, I I understand it. Now, can I direct them to to some resources so that way I don't have to answer them? Yes. And I do that. But 
but I just think that there's always going to be a need there for people. And if I can get you started, that's to me, that's the toughest part. And if I can get you started to where you're profitable, where you're making a thousand bucks a month, then you're going to say this thing works. And then it's going to motivate you to then get to 5,000 and then 10,000, right? So you and I've talked about this and I personally in 2017, I want to be able to help 500 people. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm going to try and, uh, and to try to try to get 500 people where they can pay their mortgage, uh, or a thousand dollars a month. And, uh, and that would be so rewarding for me, um, to be able to do that. So for me personally, that's a personal, uh, you know, and I know you, you agree with this and you kind of share this. It's kind of like a mission that I want to go on and I want to be able to go out there and, and make that happen. So that's something I'm focused on. So that means the podcast is going to be a driver in that. It's going to be me still helping people for free on the podcast. That also means though, there's going to be, you know, some opportunities for people to get a little closer as far as like, maybe we do some, some like, like we had the TAS breakthrough live. That was a paid event. We have our private label classroom, which that's evolving. Uh, that will still be there. Um, and we have a couple other things in mind of possibly even doing something in the retail arts space and the online arb space. So for me, it's really about a way for people to get started. That's where I see the podcast going. I also see it going where I'm going to be able to help people now understand that Amazon is great, but there's more out there than just Amazon. So we can pivot, we can build our own launch list, we can build our own email list and, and all of that stuff. And that's where I, I really get excited about that stuff. And I know you do as well, Chris. So that's what I really get excited about today is helping the people get started and then also helping the people that are already started build that external list so they can push to that next level. And that's um, that's something that I kind of hear and it it's it's interesting to relate this back to your story and that's that's what I'm doing as you're sitting here talking is there's there's two kind of pivots. Uh, if if you want to work for yourself, you want to have that freedom, you want to be able to achieve your why. And the first one is to be able to cover some bills. Yep. Right? And I think I think the goal for TAS for 2017 of helping, you know, being able to know that we helped at least 500 people get to that $1000 a month, which we know will cover a mortgage for most people, right? Which is usually people's biggest bill. Yep. It's rent or a mortgage. So getting to that place, once you get to that place, then you can decide, you as an individual can decide if you want to take that leap of faith that you took, Scott, when you went from construction to photography, from physical photography to digital photography, from digital photography to the Amazon thing, right? You can decide at that point, once you've kind of covered that base, if you want to make that leap. And then teaching you on the back end of that as the podcast, once you've made that leap, here's how you grow and expand and do all of those other things that make you rock solid in your foundation so that you don't have that fear anymore of what if Amazon goes away tomorrow, right? Yeah. And, and those are the two things I, I see coming up that I think are really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, again, you know, I look back at the podcast and it's you know, it's funny, but I go back to my wife almost every time on one of these, these moments that we have to make this decision. And she's always been the one that says, you know, number one, what do you have to lose? And then two, what if you don't do this? You know, will you regret that decision? And you'll never know. So just go for it, you know, and, you know, the, the photography business was her saying that to me. So again, having a cheerleader or someone in your corner is a big help. So surround yourself with those, those like-minded people that are positive and that believe in you. Um, so, you know, that was a, that was a huge thing. Um, and then going into, you know, full-time into, in the, uh, you know, the uh, photography digital product space, that was another thing that, you know, she had kind of 
said, yeah, you know, what's the worst that happens? You know, we go back and we do photography full time, you know, that's fine. And, uh, and then this Amazon thing, I mean, really was her saying like, you know, cause I was kind of on the fence. I'm like, I don't know, $5,000. I got to put that out. I, I went on my first order and she was like, what's the worst that happens? You know, it's not, we're not going to not be able to eat, you know, that's just, it's part of our investment money that we're going to be using here to, uh, you know, to, to try another revenue stream. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And she's, you know, she is right. And the podcast, I got to go to the podcast. The podcast almost didn't start. And the reason why it didn't start is because I was thinking, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I tried starting two other podcasts. One of them was more of a broad, uh, kind of like a marketing broad kind of, I guess, uh, audience that I was trying to reach because I was in the photography space. So I wanted to kind of help those people. And it was a little bit too broad though. And, um, and didn't really do much. So I got a little deflated, but then I thought about doing one for this and it's more, obviously it's more niche down. And, uh, and I, but I had doubts and I said, you know, I just, I'm not sure. And she was like, you know, what happens if, if, you know, if you do that and no one listens, you know, then, then maybe, maybe 10 people listen and you help 10 people. And I'm like, you're right. And she's like, maybe just do 20, 25 episodes and see what happens. And I said, okay, <laughs> that escalated quickly. And, uh, and here we are 300 episodes later and a huge community of, you know, of awesome TAS, uh, you know, fans and people that we've helped. And it's just so rewarding now. And I, I just, I can't imagine if I never hit record on episode number one, like where my life would be right now, as far as, you know, the feeling of being able to contribute and to help. I mean, really, I mean, yes, I have been compensated totally transparent here. I have been compensated, you know, since the podcast, like I have made money through the podcast from helping people. Yes, I have. But the reward for me is truly the people that email me that say I've helped them and I've changed their lives. That to me is the ultimate paycheck that I'll deposit every single day. And you get those, you get those every single day. And you get those in bulk when we do things like, you know, the, the unofficial meetup in Fort Worth the unofficial meetup uh, that I guess at the time that this goes live, we did in San Diego. Yep. Um, yep. And, you know, the the unofficial meetup that we did in Miami where you get kind of groups of those people together as well as things like TAS Breakthrough Live where we get to hear, you know, where it, all of this content has transformed people. And that really motivates you to not just, not just talk about Amazon, but all of the other stuff that we can talk about in this space as well. And that I think, and it's it's funny because people always ask, well, if you, you know, you wanted to do this why why wouldn't you just teach it or why do, why do you teach it to everybody instead of just doing it yourself and that's because you are one of the people and and I, I'll lump myself in with this as well that we really enjoy getting to help other people and the podcast gives you the opportunity to do that three times a week yeah right and every time you publish an episode you get comments you get emails saying that this one hit me yep. or this one hit me that was a good point today yeah. from people you've never heard from before. And so I think that's that's a really cool way of getting that validation. That really is the ultimate payback. Yeah, I, and I, I, I also, just to just to kind of end on this, uh, you know, I also have thought about that. I'm like, you know, maybe I should just focus 100% on my stuff and not help other people. But then I, I'm kind of thinking to myself, that's kind of selfish. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a way to help someone uh, and you're good at it, then to me, that's being selfish in a sense. Right. I mean, I think you owe it to the world. You, I, I do believe that we're all, you know, we're strong in certain, in certain aspects and certain things. Right. And one of these just happens. I don't mind talking in front of people. I don't mind, you know, getting on here and, and doing this podcast with you or getting on other, other shows. Now, some people are deathly afraid of that or getting in front of the camera, 
But to me, it's that's kind of, I guess you would say, it's kind of like my calling in a sense. It's like, and I haven't realized that until, you know, probably the past five years that, you know what, Scott, you know, give yourself a little bit more credit. You know, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit a lot of times. Give yourself some credit once in a while. You know, you are good at something. You just have to figure out what that is, and then you need to embrace that. Um, and this just happens to be something that I feel like, and I, it kind of feels weird even saying it, but I think I'm kind of good at it. So why not do it so I can help more people? And then in the end, you aren't just going to be sitting there saying, oh, Scott, you built a really good business for yourself, or oh, Scott, you helped thousands of people build great businesses that help them to live the lifestyle that they want to lead. So long story short, what I'm hearing here as we wrap up 300 episodes is one, that you're not going anywhere. No. Uh, two, <laughs> Amazon isn't going anywhere. Three, that you, you know, in, in your typical entrepreneurial fashion are going to continue to, one, not only educate on what we've what we've been talking about, but you're also going to be sharing a lot of the new cool stuff that's that's coming up as well that can help people get to that first thousand dollars or get from that first thousand dollars to eighty five thousand, a hundred thousand, one hundred and fifty thousand, a million dollars a month. Um, and so, you know, in, in, in 2017, you're going to be doing a lot of that stuff from what I hear, which is is really kind of cool. And I'm all for it. And anytime you want me to annoy your audience, I'm more than happy to come on. <laughs> no, well. you've been great. So, Scott, I, I have you know, as, as we wrap this up, is there any other little golden nuggets that you want to share? There is one more golden nugget that I want to share. And I think it's another lesson that I've learned throughout all of this, everything that we just covered. And it's proof here again, and, and I'll, I'll demonstrate this. You know, when you're going through these, these different parts of your journey, you're going to start to pick up relationships. You're going to start to network. You're going to start to meet people like Chris Schaefer here, who's here with me today, who's now not just, uh, you know, someone that I met on Facebook, but he's a good friend of mine. Uh, you know, you know, someone that I, I plan on, on hanging out with for the next 20 plus years. And, uh, you know, whether we were to, That's do, good to know, yeah, whether, That's good to know. yeah, whether we were to do this <laughs> podcast together or, you know, any of the other things that we're doing together now, you know, it's, it's about these relationships. And I think that, you know, that's an asset that I have now, um, you know, with Chris, but then other people that I've been able to, to meet through this journey, um, you know, and then opening up doors to where now I can partner with other people because, you know, the one thing I have realized Chris with the, you know, with the podcast and doing all of these other things that I'm doing it becomes hard because now all of a sudden you start saying to yourself, why am I doing this? Because now I'm kind of cutting myself thin again, right? So then you have to you have to see how you can leverage. And um, the way that really you leverage is you meet people that have strengths that you can also build upon and help them. And then you kind of partner on that. And partnerships are tough, but if you can find the right partners, they can be very powerful. Um and that, that's the one thing I would say is get yourself out there, learn through the process, you know, meet people, whether it's through a Facebook group or a forum or, on, you know, on an on or a, uh, you know, inside of an event that you go to or wherever it is, be willing to share, be willing to meet people and, and start those relationships because you never know where that's going to lead. And, uh, and that could totally be another, you know, another pivot point in your journey. And uh, I just think it's so very important to be able to embrace that. Well, and that, that comes back to the thing that, that you say all the time, which is, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Totally. Right. And, you know, again, going back to, to an email we got the other day, those people aren't going to be the same throughout your whole life. Right. You, you know, you have your good friend, Jim, you have your dad. Those two guys have probably been there the longest. Yeah. And, and then your wife, yep. obviously. Yep. Right. But the other people that you deal with 
have probably changed over the last 22 years. Is that an accurate statement? Oh, yeah. And, you know, even even for me, right, you were not in my circle until you were. So it was just my partners and I have a couple partners. And then it was, you know, whoever we listened to at the time. And then you and I became friends. We talked, you know, we I talked to you probably more than I talked to my other business partners as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And so it's it's just one of those things where you have to understand that the people are going to change. But the people that you should be spending time with are the people who are where you want to be because it's going to push you to that next level. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. And I totally 100% agree. You know, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable um, until you you kind of get familiarized with with who that is. But uh, but embrace that, you know, embrace that, you know, a little bit of being uncomfortable and uh, you just never, never know where that's going to lead. And uh, I mean, it's proof here today with you and, you know, our good friend Dom Sugar now, Danny Brewer, uh, Bill. Uh, I mean, all the all the people, you know, now that we 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 really do look at it as like it's it's a nice little network of people that, you know, if you have a question or maybe even a partnership opportunity, you know, you reach out and if it makes sense, great. And if it doesn't, that's cool too. But um, it's just, it's really, really awesome to see how that's evolved for me, even just in this Amazon space, but throughout the years it's happened. But now with the Amazon space, it's been, you know, since I started two and a half years ago, you know, I was dabbling and now I'm still dabbling, but I'm dabbling in other brands and partnerships. And it's just, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So this has been an absolute blast. It's been an absolute roller coaster. I think we should probably wrap it up there before we blow people's minds anymore. And Scott, you have you have a way that you like to close out each episode. <laughs> and I want you to lead it. I've, I've been kind of rocking the mic, but I'm not going to take that responsibility on. I think you should lead us out. All right, cool. We can do that for sure. I want to thank you, Chris, for coming on and doing this. This was awesome. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's hard talking about yourself. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, you don't want to just be sitting here and, and kind of just boring people, but hopefully people got value from this. And I just want to thank you once again. Uh, you know, I really do appreciate you and, uh, and, and everything that you do for the TAS community and just uh, you as a friend. So I just want to say thank you. And, um, yeah, I got to get out of here to be honest with you. Cause, uh, right now again, lifestyle guys, right? My daughter's birthday, the time that I'm recording this, my daughter's birthday, I'm going to meet her for lunch. So I don't want to be late for that. So we are going to wrap this up, Chris, but we are going to do it the way that we normally do it. And I want people to, to realize you can get all of the show notes, just like, just like always you can get them, you know, go over to the amazing forward slash 300. Wow, that's crazy. So theamazingseller.com forward slash 300 transcripts. If you want to read through this whole thing, you can. And if not, that's cool too. And I'll probably have some some funny stuff over there. I Actually, there's a picture um, I'm going to post there of me up on a roof with a nail gun putting down some sheathing on the house I was building. So I'm going to post that. I want to see the scion too. The scion, I'm going to try to locate that. Man, I hope I can find that. I'm going to have my wife start digging for that today. That's probably in print. That might not even be in the uh, the archives. Uh, so I'll have to find that. That'll be funny. I'll definitely look for that. But yeah, any other funny pictures uh, of my past and stuff, I'll put in there. And uh, you guys can go over and check that stuff out. Again, theamazingseller.com forward slash 300. And uh, yeah, that's it, guys. That's going to wrap it up. I want to just say one time here for the 300th time. I'm going to say it here. Remember, guys, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I'm rooting for you. But you have to. You have to. Come on. Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Chris, you're going to do it with me on the count of three and you're going to do it with energy. The last time you did it, you did it good, by the way. Here we go. One, two, three. Take action. 
Have an awesome, amazing day, guys, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Hey, I just wanted to cut in here real quick if you're still listening, and I did want to make sure that I said personally to each and every one of you that have listened to the podcast, that have downloaded the podcast, or shared the podcast with someone that you know, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for allowing us to record 300 episodes and helping thousands of people, and I just wanted to say thank you so much. The other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to thank two other people, and I didn't mention them, and I haven't mentioned them, but they do a lot of work behind the scenes, and that is Carrie Green from Podcast Fast Track. He actually does all of my show notes for me and is uh, also become a really good friend of mine now, kind of uh, you know behind the scenes because he does make sure that the show notes are nice and tight and uh, and all that stuff. I also wanted to give a shout out to Charlie from podpostmedia.com, and he's the one that does all of the transcripts and does an amazing job. So I just wanted to have a, have a little shout out here for Carrie from uh, podcastfasttrack.com, and then Charlie at uh, podpostmedia.com. I just want to say thank you guys. Love you guys, and thanks so much for helping make the podcast what it is today. All right, guys, so that is official. That is the the end of the 300th episode, and here's to the next 300. Take care.